Welcome to Testimony, a musician story. Heard at TestimonyStories.com and narrated by myself, Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. Let's get started. On September 14, 1981, in the south side of Houston, Texas, Andre Murray was born. He lived in a rented home with his mother, his two older brothers, his uncles, his grandma, and his aunt. In my bed all alone, just dreaming. The dude wanted to fame. I was feeling, gazing at the stars, looking for meaning. But instead of answers, I'm seeing demons. Welcome to H-Town. At an early age, he was exposed to death, drugs, and sex. And being the curious kid that he was, he got into a lot of mischief. But because he was smart, he rarely got caught. Andre didn't have a strong male influence in his life. And as a result, he was misguided and went through some dark times. His father lived in Houston, but Andre could literally count the number of times he saw him on one hand. He uh, was in Vietnam. He was in the Air Force. He got addicted to to heroin, uh, other drugs, like when he got back. She was so scared, I guess, what he would do and, you know, just wanted to protect me that, you know, he didn't really come around. But I guess he kidnapped me. And I was like one or something and just drove off with me without her knowing and then, you know, dropped me off somewhere like his sister's house or something later on that night. So I was missing like the whole day. In junior high, his intellect and his basketball skills got him into a school that had a math and science magnet program. Even though he was an athlete, he got picked on for being smart, the type of clothes that he wore, and for being darker than most kids at his school. Let's begin, dear yesterday, let's begin. I had so much fun today, where do I end? Can't wait to wake up and do it again. Dear, you know I like to pretend. I love to pretend. Oh yes, I mean, I, I had no guidance really from anybody to to give me and instill that confidence in me. I had no confidence and my self-esteem was really, really low. And so I cling to the basketball and the football and baseball to kind of give me validity. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go to a magnet school, too, is just to be able to say I was smart, but that kind of backfired once you, you know, couple that with trying to be a jock as well. So jocks are supposed to be dumb, I guess. Middle school was like one of the worst periods in my life. In high school, his main focus was fitting in, girls, and making it to the NBA. At this point in his life, he was introduced to men who could provide him with some guidance. And a lot of my coaches... Growing up, you know, they were Christians, so which I believe God had a hand in that. So they, you know, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I, even though I wasn't living a the life, they made me president of that association. Like in my school, I was exposed to Christianity more so than I was, you know, when I was younger. Those coaches and being a part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes planted a seed in his life, but 
he still had a lot of growing to do. Should I take another drink? I showed up, hold up, now I can't think. Now I can't see, now I can't drive. See the sun through the blinds. Thank God I'm alive. Thank God we didn't crash when we saw the lights flash. Saw the cops hit the gas, but they drove right past me. This girl keep telling me you nasty. But ain't nothing wrong if you ask me. I'm just a young college kid. Far from home on my own, learning how to live. Learning how to give. And that's what I did when I hit the crib. Gave the club the bid. Besides, you only live once, right? Wrong. I think you tuned in to the right song. The story of how I fell. One story that I thought I never lived to tell. Well, the last uh, memory I have of me actually living in Houston, you know, I was very close to killing myself on the freeway, you know, with one of my younger cousins who I influenced horribly. And, um, you know, we were doing drugs or not. Just, um, there's a drug called, which I don't want to promote drugs, but there's a drug in Houston, codeine. They drink basically cough syrup or codeine um, in a cup or you mix it with soda or whatever. So we were doing that all day. And I and basically like drank the whole thing and driving on, on the freeway in Houston, one of the busiest places as far as freeways, night or day in the world, um, driving, you know, drinking something that basically puts you to sleep just saying, I don't care about my life. He got a basketball scholarship to Southern Nazarene University in Bethany, Oklahoma, a small, Christ-centered campus where he partied, got drunk, and had lots of sex. Obviously, Andre wasn't quite about that Christ life yet, but here is where his transformation would begin. I was a sophomore in college. I actually got sick. I got pneumonia. And uh, I got really, really sick. It, was, it scared the heck out of me. And after that, after I got better, I had a dream that um, I had a dream that I died, basically. And I saw, like, in, in the, you know, I just basically saw HIV written, <laughs> written in, in my room somewhere. I can't explain it, but it was, like, just written on, like, in a cloud or something. And, um, my roommate was going going out, and he wanted me to go out with him, but I fell asleep. And he slammed the door, and it was like, I remember him slamming the door, and I remember seeing, you know, his HIV thing, which I probably was just, you know, I was dreaming, but I was awake, half asleep. And it was just like a gunshot blast when he slammed the door. It just scared the heck out of me. And um, I just got down out of my bed, like it was a bunk bed. I got down out of my bed, and I just really started just analyzing my life and, you know, I just, I told God that I really, I wanted to make a commitment this time. His senior year of college, he married his wife, graduated with a business degree, and they eventually moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he got a job in the banking industry and currently works as a loan analyst. Trinity, they say love is blind, but only 
personified And your beauty, it blooms from the God inside You see the beauties, if we feud, I know you're by my side Cause eternity's your view when we ain't eye to eye uh, We know that beauty is fleeting and charm is deceiving But the world tells us love is blind Can't be cause God saw this in Eden Adamant about who my Eve is, you're what a queen is Patient with your king even when I get heated You're in love with another man and I don't feel cheated Jesus, you honor me when you honor him It's crazy love, it's like I got no common sense uh, So I just want you to know uh, Your whole being is beautiful And your heart is where my pupils go The couple had a daughter And his wife got pregnant again And miscarried She got pregnant a second time And miscarried again They learned that she was suffering from blood clots and were able to remedy the situation. And two years later, they had their second daughter. But basketball took over his life. He picked it back up in college, and once he turned his life over to Christ, his music started to change. He went by AO, Anointed One, and released Project Ghetto in 2003. He soon realized the stage name A.O. was nothing but corniness and started calling himself Dre Mari. In 2008, he released Manument, and a producer by the name of Wit submitted a beat that never made it to the album, but they stayed in contact. Later, Wit sent Dre five beats, and Dre took those five beats and made five songs in one night. Is here now and I ain't got a label still. Mark told me, Dre, you don't need a record deal. Cause every time I see a fan of HP, they look me dead in the eyes and tell me just how that record feels. We'll just let that ink dry, his name up on that line. I almost let this dream die. I'm thinking at my time. What's up? I'm like, dear Lord, can you please show me your sign? Cause I am just a passenger, this life ain't even mine. I got a meeting with collision after listening to the vision. I saw it was on a mission. Father, you have my attention father you have my attention of the labels in contention but my heart made it decision now i'm on harper street in act town and i'm feeling like a king the cypher is complete now this feeling so serene we ain't played a game feeling like we want a ring every time i hit imagine i feel like i'm in a dream those five songs changed dre's musical career forever when he and wit released hell's paradise in 2009 Rescue Me was a part of that original batch of five songs. You ever felt like throwing in the towel like this can't be life? Screaming a guy like this can't be right. Facing the sun, but this must be night. Cause I can't see, man, this can't be. Then I look down to my beautiful wife, beautiful daughter. I turn to the author, drop to my knees like this must be life. But it's still a fight just to wake up. Stroll to a job where the work ain't much. Free man, but I feel I'm locked in cuffs. Cause my dreams been labeled just look, don't touch. What? So do I just quit, push paper at a desk where my dreams just sit? Call up Marcus and throw another fit, asking which part of talented did they not get? I get so frustrated, I love what I do, but I also hate it. Christian hip-hop, man, is so overrated. Some of us do it just to feel like we made it. And I'll be the first point the finger in me. My insecurity is what you don't see. Glad to be rich, don't need TV. When it comes down to it, homie, I just want to be. 
place I was in at that time. Just, you know, Hell's Paradise was supposed to be like my last hurrah. Um, you know, I was frustrated with a lot of things uh, in Christian hip-hop and in music general and just in culture in general. And I just wanted to, I wanted out. And so um, that song was a uh, plea, <laughs> almost, you know, rescue me from what, what I was, you know, in at that particular time. You know, I talked a lot about, like, my situation with my job at that time. And it was just me kind of venting, which a lot of that album is venting. It, it was um, just the music and what he did brought brought the emotion of the lyrics out. Hell's Paradise wasn't his last hurrah, and him and Witt released a sequel in 2012. Around that time, Witt had done some production on Swoop's Wake Up album, a Collision Records release. And Dre had done some features with Collision Records artists Alex Faith and Kristen Gray. Soon, Witt became artistic director of Collision Records. His mentality at the time was, you know, to get me uh, as one of the artists there. Talked to uh, one of the owners, and uh, you know, eventually talked to the other owner, and we we just clicked. And from there, it just stuff just happened really fast. Um, you know, I was signed, and the next moment we were in Chicago performing together. And it just it happened really organically. And it was a, definitely a God thing. What's funny is Project Ghetto, uh, Adam, A.T., one of the owners, he's a founder, he actually heard Project Ghetto in 2004. And he told the person that was playing it to turn that whackness off. Tell them young boys that we all Dre Murray was the last to sign to the record label. And in March of 2013, all the artists of Collision Records came together for the We Live as Kings album, which debuted as the number one hip-hop album on iTunes. Don't feel 
a thing anymore. I'm hearing you don't even wear the ring anymore. So now I find myself walking down the staircase straight to the face till it don't sting anymore. Now the police are at my front door. Lord, what have I done? I tell the glass to give me one more. The record label is following up that successful release with Dre Murray's debut album, Gold Rush, Maybe One Day. Adam, he presented his idea of Gold Rush, of how with Trinidad James, I use him as an example, um, you know, his song, All Gold, Everything, but not just the song, but just the, the fact that he, had, you know, had been rapping for you know, less than a year and he got a $2 million contract. Just that whole idea of the get rich quick and people following suit behind that and trying to make a song similar to that just so they can get signed. Just this whole idea that, you know, we're in a modern day gold rush uh, when it comes to not just music, but everything where people are pursuing things um, to, you know, essentially get rich quick. Nobody wants to know about legacy anymore. And, Things that are eternal don't matter. And then we were having a marketing meeting uh, one day, uh, just talking about branding for the for the album. And I think he mentioned, you know, like a subtitle. And then I, I said maybe one day, like I threw that out. I forgot how it came about, but and then we, you know, talked about the idea around that just being maybe one day I can have this, or maybe one day I can have that, maybe one day I can get you know my trophy wife, maybe one day I can get my get a hundred thousand dollar car, whatever it be, you know, maybe people are, you know, in our culture now have that mentality. But maybe one day and getting you know, what we can get all we can acquire while we're here before we die because, you know, the feeling is that on the other side there's nothing good for us. And ultimately what it winds up being is maybe one day I can be God. You know, at the end of the day if you want to sum up everything, go rest maybe one day uh, it's just the idea in our hearts that maybe one day I can be God and I can rule my life and I can make things happen on my own. The album cover is a mirror of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel interpreted for him. On the cover, you will see a head of gold with Dre's eyes closed, dreaming of that maybe one day. The God that you see me on TV, styling, looking like a fresh prince, but without me long, it don't make sense. Look, I gotta get dollars, baby, no sense. About to ball out of my mind, no sense. Hey, where you going? Don't cry, don't leave. We about to be an impeccable team. Amazing, the greatest thing that you ever seen. See this crown? They made me king. Wait, you can look but don't touch. I can take you to get the same thing, baby. He kicks off the album with the song Sutter's Mill for historical reasons. Sutter's Mill is the beginning of the gold rush. It's basically the place where the gold rush originated from. And so this is just the start. They're depicting the person that found the gold rush. And now he's relaying the message to his significant other. And he's like, let me show you why I'm acting weird. And they made me a king and you know, I found this gold rush. So it's kind of like the start of the whole thing. After visiting a museum and doing some research, Dre was inspired to write the track, Pharaoh. Stays 
so I play life like a game And I tell them boys to get it till it's gone Gotta get it till it's gone Get it till it's gone Gotta get it till it's gone Get it till it's gone Gotta get it till it's gone Get it till it's gone Gotta get it till it's gone Dear Pharaoh with a tune full of gold Food and drink abound, but not an inch for your soul. Your death will soon show that you were not in control. Let somebody else inherit everything that you stole. You know, in the beginning stages of them becoming pharaohs, you know, um, they basically planned their death. Um, as soon as they became pharaoh and became king, they started building their tomb and, you know, making plans and trying to make it this extravagant thing. So they were living to die basically. And, and, you know, putting their, all the gold and stuff that they had acquired. Sometimes they even buried them with their, uh, servants or their assistants or whatever you want to call it so that they could have them in the afterlife supposedly. So and we just likened it to, you know, today, you know, whether it be in a music video, whether it be somebody that's working a nine to five, but they're, Basically, just they're living to die. They're building up, you know, making their tomb already, and just throwing stuff that they're they're hoarding in their in their tomb. So there's a lot of pharaohs, even even today. So it just kind of sums up uh, what this entire con- concept is about. You know, just getting until it's gone, and, and the pharaoh thinking that they're God. The song Gold Rush is Dre's personal story. Always felt like I was out of place. In junior high, I swear they thought I was from out of space. Bland fashion, I really had a lot of taste. The butter, every joke, I swear I saved a lot of face. I played a lot of face, I played a lot of pop. Shared tears with MTV reported he was shot. The second time, the doctors report flat lines. And it was so rushing for, you know, through life, trying to find out, you know, what I'm really here for. And then, and also, you know, rushing to these things that aren't eternal that don't really even mean anything. So it's just kind of a summary of things that I that I went through at a young age and um, how that relates, you know, to, to the entire album and the concept of, of Gold Rush. So I had Wes uh, Pendleton, he actually produced the track, and I had him say live from the 713, because it's basically all the, 713 is the Houston area code, almost a, a part three, welcome to H-Town, By definition, alchemy is creating gold out of nothing. And Dre describes why he wrote a song based off of that word. The story is basically someone that that bought into this lie that they could have this gold basically without working, without doing anything, that they had promised this beautiful life. And that's what life gave them. And once they realized that that wasn't true, um, you know, now they're standing on the, the... 12th floor of a building um, basically you know trying to, to end themselves and you know the the twist comes in where they realize you know uh, as believers you know we believe that you know in the Bible it talks about the streets of gold and whatnot so you know it's kind of like he overhears or you know he's hearing these different conversations happen and he overhears that you know when believers die streets of gold are there and whatever and even though he's not a believer he just hears the streets of gold part oh it just makes him think okay now that's what i really wanted all along you know what i mean so um i have to die to get that 
my existence won't have the same problem The cops don't involve them, just get some good seats I once was on the prowl, praying to Daniel Biles I'd be lying if I said that this life was in peace Producer Wit loves to sample various music, and when it comes to getting clearance for those samples, it can be a tough and daunting task. But when it came to the song All Alone, it was definitely worth it. You threw me in an ocean and I can't swim, but drown in the second nature. Sharks ready to hate you, sharks ready to eat you, violence ready to meet you. So I'm a time bomb, whole body covered in ether, ready to show the world my insides. Looking for that nice young boy, will he been died? Been tried to reach him, streets dying to keep him. Coaches see his ambition, use limb bias to teach him, but they can't save him. Though they mean well. Wit finds these samples, and we just find samples in random places and find voices in random places sometimes. This commercial comes on with this like angelic voice. He tried to shazam it. It wasn't working because there are people in the background talking, I guess, on the commercial. So they took down the words and they found the song. Found the song, found the guy that, that you know, that performed the song, sampled it, but we have to clear the sample. The guy lives overseas in England or in Europe. We begin a process of trying to track this guy down. Wit contacts him. He actually hits us back. You know, we got that song cleared within a matter of a couple of days. But the whole song, you know, all along is just, you know, my my relationship with my father. What was going through my mind, you know, during the time that um, I realized that I, w- I had missed out on something. Because um, growing up being young, you don't really think about it, especially if, he, if he's not there and then he leaves, you know, it's a different story. He wasn't there at all, so I didn't know it at all. But once I came to the realization that I had actually missed out on, you know, having a father and, and what that meant, then all these emotions and all these feelings start coming. Drake chose to wrap up the album with the song Grey Tape for nostalgic reasons. Grey tape in a deck, got a cup full of mud, got a heart full of hate. Both eyes full of blood, a hundred on that freeway. Man, I'm so gone. This young boy can't see straight. I hope I see home. What's wrong with me? What I wanna be is so far away. I'm living for today. Cause tomorrow ain't promise. I gotta get it while I'm here. And I'm just being honest. I see God in the mirror. In Houston, you know, screw music. It's a technique that was originated by a DJ in Houston, DJ Screw. Um, they would sit around him and his friends and um, party, and then he would slow down the record, uh, you know, the instrumental, and he would slow down their voices as well to where it was just completely slow. And, and it became a trend to where everybody was listening to this music and they would just freestyle over these instrumentals like that. Back when I was in middle school, the Maxwell Gray tape was the thing that you use to dub recordings or whatever, you know, to, to make your mixtape. DJ Screw's tapes for the majority were on these gray tapes. Uh, and that came a, became a symbol of screw music. And that was just a huge part of my life growing up. It's a story of me coming to 
the realization that I needed Christ and, you know, God basically slowing my life down, you know, like the great tape. With Gold Rush, maybe one day, Jerry Murray hopes to accomplish what author C.S. Lewis did with the Narnia series. This album is similar to, to Narnia in that, you know, the whole Narnia idea was a story about, you know, it was a story about Christ. It was a story about uh, redemption and, and Christ's love for us, you know, with Aslan, uh, the lion. The content in his album is likened to, to that. I don't want to say it's hidden, but at the, at the same time, I mean, the, the common person, just, you know, anybody could listen to this and appreciate it artistically, which, you know, C.S. Lewis did a fantastic job artistically, but when you pull back the layers, there's so much more there. Thank you for listening to Testimony, a musician story. This has been a Brown Theory production and an 83 Media production. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. That's TestimonyStories with an S dot com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. All right, say it.